Stayed in bed all morning just to pass the time There's something wrong here, there can be no denying One of us is changing, or maybe we've just stopped trying And it's too Good evening, Sammy. Good evening, Josh. Hey, welcome. Woo! Yes. Nice welcome to the Gleeful Podcast with Josh and Ed. We are joined tonight by Sammy. You can find us online at gleefulpodcast.com, on Twitter at Gleeful Podcast. I'm at Josh Burnell. She's at Jenny B. Creative. He's at Edward Giordano. And Sammy, where can we find you? Sammy Higgins. Sammy Higgins. S A M I H I G G I N. And Jennifer, I'm two for two, not screwing up the intro. That is impressive. High five. Uh, we are live currently on a beautiful Sunday evening where nobody has to work tomorrow. What? What? Uh, and uh, What? No, I have to work tomorrow. What are you talking about? What are you some, talking about? Some people don't have to. Some <laughs> don't do. Telling. If I don't have to work tomorrow, that's no one. That's how I feel about it. That's okay. I, I, I can accept that logic. In Josh that, land. That sounds appropriately <laughs> narcissistic for even myself. <laughs> I try. Uh, I thank you for giving me something to aspire to. Uh, but we are joined with Sammy, uh, jo- joined by Sammy tonight. Uh, we're going to try to get some of the listeners in to co-host for the rest of the season because we only have so much Glee left to discuss. Uh, it's counting down, man. We're at like nine episodes left, I think. No, no ten. Ten episodes left. Like, ten, yeah. We're counting down very quick. So, Sammy, uh, since last we spoke to you. You were living in a different place and unemployed. Now you are living in a new place and employed. Congratulations. Yes. Oh, and you have a phone. So explain I to do. me how you went a year and a half without a phone. Oh, my God. It's, it's really not a funny story. It was that I was out of work, and then my parents have been out of work, so I've been helping them out. And so I just didn't really have the money for it. So. Well, yeah. I was just thinking yeah. logistically, but oh, that's – I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I mean, logistics-wise, I just – you know yeah you know first it sucks and then you just deal with it i have a laptop so i mean how do you tinder without a phone like you have to do it in person right and that's just i don't even know what (laughs) did you just swipe people in person by the way my my married husband knows what tinder is but i don't (laughs) you know what it is he's he's doing it for friend finding there we go i'm just looking absolutely just like just like Grinder is for finding gym buddies. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know Not that much about your soccer fans. There you go. Wow. I don't know that much about your community, Ed, but I think gym buddies doesn't mean what I think it means. No, I mean it, you. It, it's like it's like one of the listed like you could use this for hooking up, 
connections or the ever elusive networking. Like, oh yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm networking right now. I am networking with my genitalia. That's, that's why I tell my boyfriend when I'm on Grinder. I'm <laughs> Just networking. What's the problem? Yeah. <laughs> wow, we're off to a great start. We're off to a, 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 a smashing start, kids. Uh, so here we are. We are at uh, season six, episode three, uh, technically. Three. And three. this episode entitled Jagged Little Tapestry. This is our mashup episode between Carol King's seminal breakup album Tapestry and Alanis Morissette's horribly overplayed in the 90s breakup album ja- Jagged Little Pill, um, which you'll notice right off the bat. Uh, I was a young man in the 90s, and we literally had a radio station in Ventura. There were two modern rock radio stations in the city where I grew up. One of them played modern rock, and the other one on its posters said modern rock without Alanis Morissette. Because wow. she was so overplayed in 94, Gosh. 95. I remember the day that I was purchasing that, and I, I must have, I was at like some store when I was buying other stuff, so. It's going down the conveyor belt, and, you know, the girl is ringing it through, but there's a guy, you know, bagging my stuff. And he, he picks it up, and he looks at it, and he goes, you know, I've got one in the car I don't want anymore. You can just take that. <laughs> it I was, should have followed him out. It was inescapable in, in the mid-'90s, uh, the Jagged Little Pill record. And the funny thing about this episode is as they are talking about it, and they say, yeah, you know, tapestry's so old school – and then, uh, you know, Jagged Little Pill is like modern, edgy, and current. And I'm like, no, it is 20 years old. And well, then they, they even <laughs> said that right before that. They said, celebrating its 20th anniversary. Exactly. And then, and then I think it was... Uh, um, it was Kurt who said, like, these kids don't even know what Chapestry is. And I'm like, these kids don't know what Jagged Little Pill is either. But apparently Aww. they know enough. So I'm going to ask you guys, uh, Ed, uh, what is your history with Tapestry and or Jagged Little Pill? Um, well, uh, let's see. I remember Linus Morissette had an album in 2003-ish that like, caught my attention. <laughs> definitely 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 so that's when i that's when i like learned about the jagged little pill but probably like legitimately american idol covers and the voice and x factor and i know for a fact the only reason i really know tapestry is because of carol king week on american idol season 10 <laughs> Top six. because that's when Haley reinhardt did beautiful and it was amazing that was amazing i do remember that quite vividly uh, and Sammy, uh, were you raised correctly and instilled with a great love of tapestry? You know, it wasn't ever an album that that was like owned in my house, but it was always the songs were always heard on the radio, you know, on the stations that my parents listened to. <laughs> Same with the Lannis Morrison, because I was probably about nine or ten when that album came out, and yeah, I mean, three, four years straight, you heard those songs all the time. Oh Saw them on MTV all the time. So, yeah, was, I, know, I know all of those songs. What was the song? Okay, you're gonna, you're gonna. There was a music video that the, the song wasn't so great, but it, she was she was naked and at a party. That was that's the <laughs> that was my first impression of Alanis Morissette. And then a li- the then like it was it, it was called Thank You, I think. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, and I, it was from her India period. It was yeah. off of supposed former infatuation junkie. Mm-hmm. And and the, the, so that was the, my first introduction to Lance Morissette, and then my next real Lance Morissette introduction was 
when she did that seal cover that was played all over the radio, at least in Indiana, it was played all over. Like uh, crazy, I, I believe was the name. Really, I don't remember for, that uh, at all. It, it was it was for it was for her greatest hits. It was like the new track on her greatest hits album, oh. and that and that cover plate was played all the time on the radio. <laughs> I remember that. At least, that? In, at least in oh. Indiana markets, but in the <laughs> Indiana market, we had this like weird thing in like two thousand six seven that we really really liked the cranberries all of a sudden again. Like <laughs> interesting. Like. like for real, like they would play, they would they play the cram so, but I'm sure to other people also new. So we got so many requests that like we had like this weird 2006, 2007 where we like worked our way through the entire Cranberries catalog on 101.9 The Mix. Wow, the Cranberries of all things to dig up from the ether is an interesting place to go, especially from that period. Like I could see them digging up garbage because at least Shirley Manson's still around and Butch Vig is everywhere. But like to dig up the Cranberries, it's like no one's heard from them. Oh wait, no, she got arrested on a plane. I'm not joking. In 2006, (laughs) in Chicagoland region, Dreams was like the third biggest song. (laughs) Like for whatever, like for no apparent reason. I thought it was new because they were playing it like it was new. And then, and then so much so that the that our top 40 station, 103.5, would also play Dreams because it got so much airplay on 101.9. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was very... Chicago's weird. That's that's my that's my um, takeaway. Well, that's it for the uh, Cranberries cast. Uh, this has Every been area. Josh, Jed, Ed, and Sammy for the Cranberries cast. Uh, and <laughs> Wow. <laughs> no? Nothing? I didn't yeah. get even a chuckle on that? That was a solid joke. See, the thing <laughs> is, is Sammy's laughing at all of my jokes. She's just not laughing into the microphone. And oh, that's a problem. I'm sorry. <laughs> so She's I can just see polite. it on the camera. You can see me laughing. We don't have go. to be polite. Uh, so, <laughs> my wife, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, let's go around. We will discuss uh, the episode, Jagged Little Tapestry. Uh, Jennifer, mm-hmm. how did you feel about the episode? I liked it. I liked it. Um, I felt... They they are totally embracing season one without care or concern for like how they've come here. Um, so it was nice in that certain things felt familiar, and I'm sure we'll talk about what those things are. Um, but I also felt like it didn't have as much heart and commitment as the first two episodes. So I'm going to give it a B plus. Interesting. That's actually... that's kind of articulating how I would feel. It was lacking a certain amount of heart and commitment. Mm -hmm. I also felt it really, as, as Glee has want to do and really seems to love to do um, it in its attempts to be unique, different, brave, edgy, it can be very disrespectful of the things that it purports to love. Right. And And protect and defend. Yeah. And that's kind of hard, but I will say um, Kurt and Blaine's duet was one of my favorite Glee performances in a very, very long song. Oh, that it's too time. late that we opened up. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's. I mean, I that is a. It's a fantastic song. But they're they're doing they're harmonizing and just everything that was coming across in it. Even you know with the flashbacks and the you know the the video montage, it was really. It, it, like that was just such a such a fantastic moment. I could have actually ended the episode right then. <laughs> that was a yeah. That was definitely a that was a great sequence, and they they looked really good in that one. Ed, uh, how did you feel about Jagged Little Tapestry? I'm gonna give it a 
B minus, and I I have two specific flaws that I like to point out. Much like what they did on the duets episode in season two, where they talked about how everyone's gonna do a duet, and then they like cut like didn't everyone didn't do a duet? I was like <laughs> I was like I was watching, and I was like, okay, there's only two sets of two. There is no way, there is no way Glee is going to make the promise of everyone's doing it and not everyone deliver it, and then. They, they, they did it to you they again, said Ed. And then the other two didn't do it. I was like, what? I wanted Twin Girl and God. I, I know. Yes. Actually, to do stuff. I was like, shocked that Roderick like, didn't have another on, song. Come on. That was, that was on. Like, you don't have 12 members yet. And I know, I already know how you're going to roll this. Like, it's going to be sectionals and you're going to magically poof out of your genie bottle six members from Cheerios, which hopefully will include Kitty. Because, I mean, like, why not? At least... At least, at least try for the 2.0s. She's, she's our sole representative. And um, and then strike two is somehow in Kurt's, like, complete selfish, like, where he, like, was was taking was taking every everything out that he had in personal life onto everything. And, the like, and I was like, oh, thankfully, Rachel will put him in his place. But the... Like, and Kurt is still a hero. How is Kurt still a hero in this? It was just like I was like, like at the end, at the end, I was like legitimately mad that Rachel was like, "Oh, it's really great that you were completely irrational." I'm like, "Are you joking me right now, Rachel Berry? Are you joking me?" Like, so B minus. It was a good episode. I'm not gonna be. I'm not gonna lie. It was fine. It was fine. But, but I was like, I get. I don't know. I was just like, come on, come on. You have like. Two promises and you can't meet it. Fine. Well, then go. Then why can't why can't why can't Kurt be the enemy once? Like why is that so terrible? Or or the thing is the thing is in in episode one and two of this season, Kurt was almost the enemy, but at the same time he was introduced as the enemy. He was also re, uh, redeemed as like the savior of the relationship. So it's like, ugh. and the Karofsky's like way trying too hard. Like no one is that oh my in God. to blame. Yeah. Like yeah, I could, I could be dating. I could be dating Blaine. I'm like, dude, I'm not that into. <laughs> well, the <laughs> thing, the thing with Karofsky's whole like Karofsky as a character went from like overcompensatingly straight to overcompensatingly great to overcompensatingly gay. And I mean, Max Adler's whole performance in this, where he was like, "If I could just get this guy off the show tunes, am I right? I'm gonna drink a martini, go over here," and I just couldn't even do it. Like, yeah. I like Appletini's a lot. I know, Mia Cosmo. But it was, I, it's, it's the only the, 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 the problem with Crossy. Sorry. <laughs> the problem with Crossy's time... character. <laughs> <laughs> You're both on a delay, Sammy. You go. Uh, I was saying, every time I see them on screen together, I'm just thinking, you know, they desperately wanted that to be Sebastian, and then Grant Gustin got got the Flash, and now, You're okay, right. that doesn't work. But you know, that's, that was what they wanted, because it doesn't make sense, Dave and Blaine, no. No, no. That's Blaine, a very Blaine good never would have gone there, but <laughs> it just, yeah, he just, he looks, I mean, and maybe he's being, you know, like, there's a world in which he, he's intentionally being over the top to make... Kurt that much more jealous but even still it just looks ridiculous it looks like he's cracking up delivering the lines that he's supposed to deliver in a somewhat straight manner that's totally true because Karofsky has like I almost feel like he's always the writers have always treated him like a one-dimensional character he's been a one-dimensional character that or that has like literally it's like a Rubik's Cube and you never you never get to see the Rubik's Cube you just get to see 
one side of the Rubik's Cube at a time as it flips around. <laughs> yeah, because it's, it's he's only multidimensional in that he changes dimensions. He's like only one thing yeah. at a time. He can only be one thing. Like you, he, yeah. was, he was Bully Karofsky. Then he was uh, like beat up Karofsky. Now he's like, Super gay. I'm in love with yeah. Blaine Anderson Karofsky. That's it's like like he's multidimensional. Only if you could see the entire picture at once, like your freaking Slaughterhouse Five alien or something. <laughs> Which is actually kind of disappointing because we saw some amazing acting out of him. We saw some amazing depth for like you know half a second. In yeah, half a couple seasons episode. ago. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it, it's <laughs> we don't have enough time for that. So like, okay, yes, yes, yes. This is just to move along the plot. And finally, Sammy, we'll get to you. What did you think of the episode? <laughs> I gotta go. Oh, you know, I'm torn between C minus or C plus and B minus because there was like I was telling my mom, I was like, well, it was like 20% awesome, 20% painfully awkward, and then like 60% forgettable. So I mean, it wasn't bad. I mean, there wasn't anything really bad about it other than just yeah. some really, really painfully awkward scenes. But I have to agree with um, what Ed said about Kurt, and it's kind of driving me nuts, and especially driving me nuts in the fandom. It's like everybody just suddenly forgets that Kurt's the one that callously dumped Blaine, and now all of a sudden it's like, oh, poor Kurt. Oh, no, how could they do this to him? It's like, no, no, no. No, no, he's doing all of this to himself. Why are we still putting him up on this pedestal? Like, he's kind of a jerk. (laughs) He's he's kind of a jerk. Okay, legitimately, legitimately, we have... we Tina did... One thing wrong, Mabel Rubgate, <laughs> literally still suffering for that today. Today, she's Jenna Uskowitz is like Mabel Rubgate has ruined my life. It has impacted my career as an actress. <laughs> that is what she's saying. Kurt, on the other hand, has done many a thing wrong, and he's like, I can't. I'm like, why? More efficiently. Not that the world's not being handled. Just why is it happening? More of his, I'm like, even in all of this, all the people dropping out of school, everyone, Kurt is still in school. Like, are you, are you joking me? It's joking an internship. Me, Kurt. It's, 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 Come his, on. Um, it's it's work study program. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, going work back to your program. high school is legit. I mean, I mean, I, I don't get the love that Kurt can do no wrong. It's like, yeah, but he is. Really? So. That is that is the that is the that is the moral of Glee. Like of all things, like forget forget rooting for the underdog that's that was season one bullshit but now now it is kurt kurt can do no wrong look at look at the whole story kurt can do no wrong well i mean it's it's also we have to remind ourselves kurt is the you know youthful living embodiment of ryan murphy doing it right so yeah correcting his childhood this is you know, this is him living or reliving his childhood. <laughs> but Josh, I mean, but, I mean but there's like there's like literally a thousand gay characters on Glee can compliment a little bit more than he's doing. I know. I, <laughs> I, I, was, I was mostly joking, but well, <laughs> oh, but, but I mean, even, even even if you're right, I mean, I'm not saying you're wrong because you could be right. He could, but there's, wanna, as I, I said, there's a thousand gay characters. That, <laughs> well, let's go ahead and uh, wait. What did you think, Josh? Oh, I, I I I agreed with everyone. I think it's a C plus episode and with some oh. really uh, incorrect moments, which we will detail in a moment. For a second, let's take a listen to "Hand in My Pocket." I feel the Earth Move mashup, uh, and we'll talk, come back and talk a little bit about Britannia, uh, or as I like to call it, Fan Service Weekly. So here is a bit of. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> Britannia performing hand in my pocket and I feel the earth move. Is that everything's gonna be fine, fine, fine? I've always believed that, uh, you know, the only thing to make a great song greater is to take another song and just play it at exactly the same time. <laughs> and then you've got two great songs on top of each other. So they can only be better. I mean, am I missing something? But I didn't really feel like this was a, like a mashup. I feel like they basically just made a new song. And sang alternating lyrics. I mean, they they just kind of like. I feel like they've altered it so much. Did I say altered? Altered it (laughs) so much. I don't know. I just like. I feel like I. I feel like I didn't catch either song in this one. It's interesting. I mean, it's. uh, I guess it's so hard for me to. It's so hard for me to rectify because, like, hand in my pocket, I find so abhorrent. But um, it's. I don't know. I, I. I. I just didn't give a crap. Either way, like good or bad, I didn't give a crap. Ed, thoughts? Um, I, I, I don't think the songs really make sense together. No. That being said, I, I, I love I Feel the Earth Move so much so that in like 2011, I was like obsessed, obsessed with the idea of a of making a dubstep version of I Feel the Earth Move. I was like obsessed with doing that. Like, oh, that, this is gonna break me into the industry and make me stand out so much. I'll be like James Blake doing "Limit of Your Love" or "Case of You," but Edward Giordano doing "I Feel the Earth." <laughs> then it right. Spoil, spoiler alert. Then it actually happened. In case you didn't know. <laughs> Sammy, uh, yeah. now I don't. What is your? I background? thought about it for a long. <laughs> Sammy, what is your uh, background as a Britannia follower? Are you? Is that your thingy thing or what? It kind of is now. I didn't like it. With the, it actually leads into a point I was going to make later. But they, the way they used to write for Britney, I really kind of creeped me out. The two of them doing together because she had like the emotional maturity of a toddler, right? And yeah. so I didn't like the two of them together. But now this new Britney. I mean, first of all, where have they been hiding Heather Morris's voice? Because the last what two three episodes that she's been singing on, she's been amazing. Yeah. Like where did that come from? And then I really like that they're writing her as an adult, and it doesn't doesn't make sense with the character because you know the way they always wrote her. But I like it, and I like the two of them for it. So they I didn't used to like them, but now I think that they're probably the healthiest relationship on the show. <laughs> I will give you that they're they're probably the healthiest relationship on the show. They're kind of oddly, I don't know. There there seems to be like an emotional thing that I don't really buy in it. Like it just feels a little fan servicey because I know everybody wanted it. And so then they kind of made it, figured out a way to make it happen. Uh, but you're right. I mean, within the context of what we get to see, uh, they they actually do, like, they are supportive and caring mm-hmm. of one another. I love when uh, Santana 
knelt down to propose and somebody said what is happening and puck just goes Roderick, don't worry about it it happens all the time blame. yeah yeah roderick's the new last man standing yeah there you go the last main man standing roderick's awesome uh, but yeah, I don't know. All in all, like the Britannia storyline, it was interesting because it happened and then nothing happened with it. Like Santana proposed and Brit- Brittany was like, awesome. And then the show went on with its life. Like no comment. Well, do you want them to get married in the same episode? <laughs> well, I mean, usually if you introduce a storyline, like there has to be some conflict, right? Like there has to be a reason that this is happening. And there was no conflict whatsoever. It just kind of happened. And then everyone continued. Uh, so then we got that fantastic Santana rant that that I was sitting there I spit out my drink and I was like clapping because really (laughs) it was perfect it was everything that you wanted I mean don't get me wrong I love Kurt but he needed it he needed that rant he absolutely did and and I think that was the one great uh success Jennifer uh Britannia in this episode yeah I thought okay I agree with everything you guys have said um it is nice and it does feel healthy, but so yeah, so I don't know what's, if it's because, you know, the two actresses haven't been in a scene together. They just felt like, I felt like they were doing and saying the right things, but I didn't feel like there was any like actual connection there. Yeah, you know, like even when, you know, Santana is saying, you know, I love you, Brit. It's kind of like, yeah, I love you, Brit. Yeah, there was a there weird was, moment. It was word. like a very... It, unemotional yeah well and when they went to commercial they were cuddling on the bed yeah and they went to commercial and she's like you know i love you infinity or whatever and then santana says i love you brit and you looked over to me and you were like was are is there like a subtext there where there's a problem because there was something on on naira vera's face where she felt almost disconnected and right. i was like i got the same thing i think they're setting up some kind of drama but right. i guess they weren't but i mean <laughs> but my question to you is actually like is there a subtext subtext there or is it just bad acting like i couldn't tell hmm. like i didn't know if it was intentionally awkward or if they're just going through the motions it, yeah i mean it struck me as a little odd but uh uh, I obviously, um, obviously, Sammy's on board with with that, and you know, uh, is there anything else to say, or should we move on to something a little interesting? I, I think of all the relationships that that Glee has manifested, it is the one. It's the one to support. Yeah. I mean that. That's all there. Oh God, yeah. No, I mean, <laughs> I. That's all there is to it. It was. I mean. It was adorable. It was, you know, like the actual proposal, and when they sing together and they do everything else, and even like the little mounds, you know, the you know filling up the the giant heart vase with mounds, which apparently is a lesbian candy. I guess. Uh, well, because but all my, all my joys are so nuts, much better. So though. that's why mounds don't. Yay! High five. <laughs> no, but I. Th- so yeah, there's so many of the right elements. I just thought, am I missing something, or am I just looking too hard at something? So you're looking, you're looking too hard. Yeah. Britana, okay. I, I, this I was, accept that. This was you're supposed to be happy for Britannia. Yeah. And the, I don't even. We might even not get even another Britannia moment. But that this might be it. They just might yeah. be in the back. It was around at sectionals. 
like this this was it i agree i think this is i think in a way this is the show kind of buttoning up each of its characters and i wouldn't be surprised if we if we do see britannia again it will only be in the context of them being in the background of somebody else's story i really feel like this was the show saying this is you know our goodbye to this relationship and to these characters and kind of setting the wedding I doubt it. I mean, I think the, if we're going to get any wedding, it's going to be no, the no, plain no. wedding. Yes, yeah, curtain Blaine. Yeah. Which... Uh, but could you imagine how Tumblr would explode if the season ended with a Britannia <laughs> wedding and not a clean uh... wedding? Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> it would burn down. Um, you know, I have to say there's one thing before we move on to the next plot line. The big thing that struck me about the Britannia storyline and then the Clane storyline, which we talked about a little earlier, was that for a show where we literally used to count kisses, I don't say we, I mean the royal we, other people used the to internet. count used to count Clane and Britannia kisses on this show, we I think it's kind of amazing that like we don't even think about it now. And that if you were to go through this episode, I mean, the the amount of physical affection between those two couples was just played in flashback without really any incident. And that's kind of awesome that we've only in the few years this show has been on the air and possibly is that no one's watching. But we are no that's not really an issue as much as it was, you know, even three years ago. It's yeah. kind of neat. Well, I mean, if you think about like the other you know, couples that are still currently together. Um, I, I guess. I guess, I guess Puck. Oh. <laughs> right? Am I wrong? Oh, you mean Puck That's and... That's uh, pretty much it. Well, they're, yeah, they're still together. Puck and Quinn. Yeah. And well, I was wondering that because they didn't really address it. Yeah, no, you're right. But, but actually, Puck barely had... He had, what, two lines in the show? Oh, yeah. I think he had one line in the entire episode. Yeah. So, but I mean, like, he did, like, they did have, like, an exchange. And, you know, I mean, that's, at you know, at that stage in their relationship, that's very natural and very, you know, honest. You know, very, yeah. very real. And so, you know, the same thing with Brittany and Santana, amongst other people. I thought, you know, like, that, I feel like their relationship is depicted like a couple that's been together a year yeah it's not a scene it's not a thing anymore i i yeah we did get the one moment where puck uh kind of leaned into quinn but i think he was just like whispering in her ear like you need to have a darker hair shade if you're gonna tan that much uh other than that i i or or maybe it was i love you (laughs) it's one thing or the other uh, it's disconcertingly blonde. It is, and yeah. she's too tan. She's for that. tan. She's more tan than she's ever it's been. It's platinum. It's it is like way blonde. But um, uh, she's still yeah. gorgeous. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's take a quick listen to uh, Diana Agron and Jenna Ushkowitz performing "So Far Away." Uh, here is "So Far Away" on the Gleeful Podcast.
so far away on the Gleeful Podcast, and it brings us to another interesting plot line in this episode, was that Becky Jackson's college boyfriend came back to town. Apparently, no one has anywhere to be, and it doesn't strike them as odd to spend all of their time in their high school. But Becky Jackson came back and has been lying to her boyfriend that she was a president of all of the clubs. <laughs> all um, of them. I think clubs that they don't even have at that school. <laughs> and this was another plot line to me, similar to the Britannia storyline, where I felt that this was really the show saying goodbye to a character, kind of saying like, this is the last moment you're going to see Becky. We'll give her one last plot line to kind of go out on on a nice note. And I suppose in this particular so case, what's that? In my opinion, we should be so lucky. Yeah, right. Uh, and, and in that way, I felt like it, because Becky's been a much smaller character, character than Britannia, like if this is the last time we say Becky, I think it's fine. Um, but yeah, it was a lot of screen time for someone I'm not a huge fan of. Uh, I don't really know how to feel about Becky you know, going off into the sunset with a very nice boyfriend. Uh, Jennifer? I feel like oh, that guy was awesome. He was like... I really, really liked the storyline, and yet you have Becky, and they write her as like a ridiculously unbelievable bitch. Yeah. And so they really need to just tone it down a little bit on the writing and make it so like like every other word out of her mouth is like some kind of swear word, some kind of you know insult. Fine, but like going for the, I'm not going to repeat the words. I don't know what my language needs to be like at this hour, but you know what I mean. <laughs> like every other word out of her mouth is like stink or bitch or whatever, and I'm like that's just. How is anyone supposed to root for her? She's horrid. She does have anger issues. Um, but <laughs> you know what? It's like we've seen Sue, you know, um, in find people that can look past her, you know, her anger issues and her, you know, not so niceness at times. And that kind of brings out, you know, the sweeter, softer side of Sue. And then, you know, life happens. But we've also seen redeeming qualities in Sue that we've never seen in Becky. Yeah, I think that's the struggle with Becky as a character. Well, Becky Becky has been for a very, very long time just, like, angry and, you know, admittedly scared. I mean, she comes out every now and then and will say, you know, like, well, I was like, I, you know, I brought the gun to school because I was scared. I, um you know, don't want to go to college because I'm scared and I, and a lot of different things. But, you know, I think because she's just been on the periphery like Sue, it hasn't bothered me that much. It's been kind of like, a you know, like a, a mild interruption. Hmm. And, but I, th- I did think it was sweet, you know, people looking out for her. A little insulting, though, at the same time, kind of like... Yeah, well, I really liked what her boyfriend had to say to all of them, because he was absolutely on the money. But at the same time, I feel like we've been with this show for a long time. Are these characters still so tone deaf to think that, you know, this dude obviously is uh you know has some kind of weird plan or whatever like no one's learned anything in six years and, and seriously what was well, no i mean it be? just pointed yeah. out their their issue yes and it's like they've never seen becky have a boyfriend they've seen her chase guys and talk about guys right. they never actually see her have a boyfriend so to them that's their first assumption because as he pointed out that was their prejudice right. that they didn't yeah. even, weren't even aware of yeah 
Yeah, so in the end, I thought his speech was pretty great and his yeah. reaction to it was pretty great. Uh, yeah, you know, it, it, hey, if this is the last time we see Becky, and I think it probably will be, that was a nice way to see her go out with a very nice guy. Or we'll see her, the next time we see her, she'll be, you know, kinder and gentler, and it will be, you know. Yeah. Which is so funny because Lauren, the act, the actress who plays Becky, is the nicest <laughs> person yeah. alive. It's adorable. <laughs> Could not be sweeter. When I saw her at that event, mm-hmm. she was just like, she was the only person who was like eagerly looking for autographs to sign. Like, Aww. could not be nicer. <laughs> so I'm, that was I'm you know, so so bummed. I missed that night. In in that way, it was pretty adorable. Um, and then. We also have this Beast storyline, which I don't have a song to kick off. And we lost Ed, so hopefully Ed will come back. Uh, Ed, if you can hear us, we miss you. Um, (laughs) But uh, so we had this... Oh, Ed's back. Um, So we had this Beast, Coach Beast storyline where... First, she says she's going to have uh, surgery on her knee, and then eventually that turns into Coach Beast um, require uh, supposedly having cancer, and then in the end we find out that Coach Beast wants to uh, transition into being a man. And um, I have, you know, and uh, I've gotten uh, angry emails in the past that I don't use pronouns correctly in these particular cases, so I'm not sure what pronoun to use for Coach Beast. Uh, so I. You know, mea culpa, I'm not being insulting, whichever pronoun comes mm-hmm. out. Uh, but um, it was, this was a hard plot line for me. This one bothered me a lot because Coach Beast has always been a fascinating, sweet, one of a kind character to me because Dot Marie Jones is obviously a very masculine woman and has always played very masculine women on TV. You'll see her in a million episodes of Big Bang and uh, Two and a Half Men, and she always plays some kind of butch lesbian, and it's always some kind of mean character. Coach Beast gave Dot Marie Jones the opportunity to play a nice you know, uh, 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 to really play the duality of who she is as mm-hmm. a woman, someone who appears very masculine, but deep inside is still a girl, still has a feminine side, even though it, even though it's not really prominent, and really play the duality of a masculine-looking woman. And now the show is playing into exactly the stereotype, like exactly the punchline that Dot Marie Jones plays in every other show where she's just a woman who wants to be a man. And to me, I was really bothered by this storyline. I felt found it to be very just kind of just kind of diminishing to, you know, the things we've seen Beast go through on this show. And then to diminish it, it just felt. It just felt like a really cheap way to go out with that character. Not to mention, Glee has a really, really, really bad track record track record of handling these things. Exactly. So it's kind of like, I could see this, except for the fact that I know that either we'll never hear about it again, or they're going to completely botch it. So it's yep. kind of like, you know, you kind of want to see a story like that on TV because you don't get that in, in major shows and stuff like that but at the same time you don't want to see it on queen because they're going to mess it up <laughs> yeah there's just it's not really enough offensive. time to do it justice i mean yeah. that that is part of the problem i don't mm-hmm. i mean i i don't feel as strongly about it um as you do josh i mean and that i think i like i'm not i'm not taking the same offense to you know the actress or the character or anything like that 
it's just to me it's it seems like it could be plausible you know she you know at the in the moment is still uh female she she likes men she's still going to like men but she feels like she should have the body of a man and you know i mean maybe if they if they can you know give it any more screen time and and maybe show a little bit more mm. of what this you know this person's struggle is i'd be okay with that like i'm not so married to the idea that you know like yeah it was it was you know is shannon was you know at her heart a girl she loved boys she 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 fell in love she got married she had crushes she'd never been kissed we got to experience all those things with her and now this is just another phase or mm. not another phase this is like a, the next stage um phase makes it sound like it's you know <laughs> oh we got video <laughs> oh yeah wow our, it came my back camera, we video. our camera started working so good you guys have been talking so i was gonna say hey so i um so yeah i'm not i i'm reserving judgment i'm gonna say i was the the, right. the second we saw her uh, taking pills and so forth. Yeah, you called it right away. Yeah. It was like, and I said, no way, because the show has been so respectful to her as a person. And I, Let's... I, don't, I don't... Well, that's not disrespectful to have her. No, I, I, yeah, I, I you're don't... right. You're right. Yeah, I'm you're not... Absolutely. That's what I'm saying. Like, to me, it's... I'm not... I'm not... Um, it's it's not... It's not hitting me the same way. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, if we, if we see, you know, one or two more, um, you know... If we get one or two more uh, chances to see her go through this process, then I, I think that's fantastic. I And that was my concern is that I feel like this is just a tool to have them have Sam take over the football club exactly. and then oh, have absolutely. Sam and Rachel end up together and we'll never see Beast again. <laughs> uh, that's why I've been really hesitant about, okay, I don't know how to feel about this because I'm pretty sure we'll never see another minute of it. Yeah. I agree. And that's that's a concern to me as well. Like if we if we were going on this journey with be with Beast, I think that would be interesting. But you're right. I honestly think this was just how they got her out of the show so that Sam could take over the football team. And that again, it feels like a, a cheap way to dismiss a character that I've really grown to there is no other character on TV like Coach Beast. Mm-hmm. And that is why that's that was the great thing about Glee in its heyday is that the characters on Glee were nowhere else on television. And that's exciting. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, this makes her some kind of somehow common. Um, but it just it took away a little bit of the rea- I don't know, because I, I don't want to be I, I don't want to be disrespectful to anybody going through what she's going through. It was just not yeah. the journey that I feel is truest to what we've seen to, of her up to this point. But, uh, you know, I, I I just I always look at this show through to like through the prism of my parents and uh, I see my my parents being like, well, she always looks like a dude, so obviously she'd want to become a dude. Whereas I'm much more interested in them going like, she's always kind of looked like a dude. Uh, it's interesting that she's feminine on the inside. Like that's more surprising mm-hmm. to to people that with closed minds. So I don't know what that tone is that keeps beeping. On I feel computer. like it's Ed texting. 
Uh, no, it, it's no, 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 no. I'm, 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 I'm just, I'm just here. I feel like yeah. somebody's IMing. Maybe somebody's Do you IMing have, like, me. Your regular IMing. Do I have open? other things going on? I don't know. My regular. Is, no, is I don't think so. Kind of. It sounds like, like Google <laughs> Plus. Everybody's so. phones off. Yeah, everybody's phones are off. Uh, well, uh, Ed, do you want to weigh in on Coach Beast before we move on? Living in a technological society. I think it might be the chat that's making those noises. Yeah, probably. Something like that. Yeah. Ed, do you want to weigh in on Coach Beast before we move on? Ed, can you hear me? Ed? Are you gone? Ed's on hotel Wi-Fi. Well, I, no, what's that? I, no, no, I'm, I'm here. What oh. did you say? I just took out my video so I have a chance to actually have hope. Oh, I, I said, do you want to weigh in on Coach Beast before we move on? Um. Okay. First off, when, when I, I came back into the conversation, and then Sammy was ranting about like how how uh, Sammy was a uh, she's like I'm afraid for Glee to even tackle the subject because I know that they'll do it wrong. I'm like, oh, amen. I didn't even I don't even know what the topic is. But <laughs> I'm afraid. I'm afraid. I agree. Um, uh, in Coach Beast, I. Uh, I didn't. I did not think of the nefarious reasons that you're saying about just figuring out a way to get her off so that uh, Sam could take over. And that was not what. That is not what I thought. I thought they were somewhat being true to the character. But then now, now that I realize their nefarious plot, I'm like, oh, why? Why was I giving them the benefit of the doubt? Yeah. But That's then again, it's like, why? I mean, okay, yes. Yeah, so through the transition process, maybe she won't be available, but. It's like, she might not want to come back. Yeah, but I mean, you've got the support of the school and, well, in Sue. And. But you're working with teenagers who yeah, knew that's... her as a woman who are not going to be kind. That's yeah. true. Who now will now will be a man who also so now will be a gay man, apparently. Mm. Um, I, don't I don't know. know. But I don't. But with. <laughs> I, yeah, I hope. I hope after the change happens, they don't, you know, get him, get rid of him for that reason. No, yeah. no, no. Like, they're not going to get problem. rid of him because of that reason. They just aren't going to have him. Like, this, that's, I did not real. the second you said it was going to be just a shoehorn Sam to be the captain, that's it. I'm like, oh, well, that's, that's the end of her. <laughs> she might, <laughs> she will be with Britanna in the background at <laughs> They will, they will have, Wait, I they mean, can't perform? <laughs> <laughs> no, they're they're not performing. No, don't, I'm kidding. Don't, don't be serious. In the audience. I was thinking as we watched it the second time how um you know it, it's it's such a punchline that the graduating class like the alumni just has no other place to be and they're constantly there mm -hmm. and yet Mercedes and uh, and Artie were gone. They had they apparently found some place to be. Mike, Mike they Chang, had to go back to their lives. And Mike Chang, you couldn't even come at all because that's how straight up busy he actually he is. really enjoys his college career as a dancer. <laughs> yeah, Jennifer well, was like, most of them unemployed anyway. Yeah, like, yeah. Well, I mean, money aside, they don't really have a lot of commitments going on. You know, Mike Chang fought his parents really hard to do what he wanted to do, and he's committing to it. That's true. And good on him. <laughs> hey, hey, there, there's a lesson to be learned here, because St. Hannah just got that money for Louisville, and she's like, whatever, I don't, I don't oh my care. God, she's I'll just totally drop out of Louisville mother. with my scholarship. No, Ain't nobody care. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and all the money that her mother saved for her? <sighs> whatever. <laughs> yeah, you know, whatever. Whatever. We did talk about going back to school. She bought a diamond ring with it, apparently. Like, you know. 
there, there was there was a girl I knew in college that uh, she inherited like fifteen thousand dollars from her grandmother when when her grandmother died, and she like spent she like literally spent it all like just being in Paris for a summer, and like I ta- I did not know her until about a year and a half after that, and she was like, you know, I probably should have bought a car with that money. <laughs> so would appreciate I think that. I, I think there's a lesson here. I don't know. It sounds like a pretty epic trip to Paris. I mean, yeah, <laughs> you're going to go 000? down, go down well. I think <laughs> I did my first trip to Paris in under 2000. But then again, the airfare was $198 like, round trip from Boston. I, I'm, so pretty, I'm pretty sure it was, I don't know. She, she, was, she was stupid. And then she, then she dropped out in her seventh semester. So she's like a, I actually should Facebook stalk her to see how her life has turned out. It's been three years since then. So. Wow. <laughs> right her into a glee. We're way off into the weeds now. Let's. I have to express a very unpopular opinion, and I'm, nobody else may agree with me. But I feel like Claim has become the new Finchel. Um, they had that montage in the beginning with the pictures. Mm-hmm. Not cool. But then when they interrupted the, the only two students that actually got to sing in this episode, I all know. of a sudden jarring claim flashback montage. So I was like, no, enough already. I'm That's sorry. very I, true. I th- I that bothered me too. Like you know, we the, the what was it, Mason. Jane. Ma- Mason, Mason and Jane, and Jane actually got to sing, which was funny that Mason and Mallory weren't doing a duet because they, they obviously did the like fist bump, like, hey, we're totally going to sing together. Um, and Mason, the nicest thing I can say about that kid is that he has a face for theater um, because on camera, all of his features are too big. But on stage, I think he would be lovely because from a distance, you'd be able to see all of his features. Okay, what, what annoys me about, uh, about what he's doing, what they're doing to the 3.0s, it's like it's like like they would not let Mason and Jane have their moment like legitimately. Yeah. I was like 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 I was like I was watching I was like oh I can get behind this couple. That's cool. And then they're like let's just spend 80% of the time on them on something else yeah. and then right. I'm like ugh, fine fine hate on the 3.0s too. No, I mean <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Sense to like, all of a sudden everything's you know it's like oh clean flashbacks and then Kurt's just gonna be a jerk and like okay well what worked about last week's episode was everybody really likes the new kids and thinks they're pretty cool and what was missing from this week's episode was the new kids actually like existing yeah and doing anything, being yeah. part of it yeah and so I think for me that's why it fell really flat it's just the one time you shine the light on the new kids clean flashbacks <laughs> again he really loves to just remember how it used to be really great yeah over and over and over again jennifer what were you saying oh no just uh it's agreeing and it would have been nice to like ed what ed said in the beginning um you know we were kind of given the impression that everybody would get a chance there's only you know there's only four of them so why wouldn't we see at least two mashups from you know the the 3.0s but we didn't even get that. We yeah, only we got didn't. we only got one. Yeah. So that was a little disappointing, but I, I was envisioning I, I, I was watching this episode and at one point I had this like vision of an alternate season six, which actually did take place five years in the future. And they all come back for a reunion and they find out that there's like a a an alumni glee club competition. 
and they just get all the alumni together to form like the new new directions so no 3.0s no no mckinley just all the alumni taking like a month to try to get their crap back together and put on a glee club and then compete against some kind of group of vocal adrenaline alumni and i was watching it thinking like i'm not going to think about this too long because that sounds amazing and we wouldn't have to worry about mckinley drama we wouldn't have to worry about 3.0s wouldn't have to worry about like why are they all here don't they have jobs like but no, they, so many you know better what? ways Again, we could have done this they just they they acknowledge the absurdity of them all being in the room in the first scene and then they just shoot it down and then they move on and yeah. that's what i'm trying to do <laughs> touche it's like we have to just again we have to forgive and forget and just enjoy the moments because we only have 10 more episodes which means we probably like what 30 great moments at best left <laughs> let's just savor them yeah, i appreciate that i like that yeah. uh, let's listen to some voicemails we got three so here is the first one hi josh and this is Derek calling from ohio just wanted to leave a message i love your podcast i've been listening now for the past couple seasons of uh Glee, for better or worse, that wonderful show that we love. <laughs> um, I just wanted to give my two cents about this new season. Thoroughly enjoying the show, the show so far, three episodes in, and very happy. I will say, though, I am a little trepidatious and scared about um, a personal favorite of mine, Mercedes. I've always felt like she's been a main cast member that's never actually been a main cast member. She, they give her um, wonderful things to belt and sing and kind of use songs to move through the landscape of the show. And um, her voice is amazing, so she can do that. But in terms of, like, character structure and growth, we know so very little about her character. We've never seen her parents. Um, I mean, I think Amber Riley's real mom was in a chorus a couple times. But, you know, that's not the same as having, like, Audra McDonald play for aunt, which would be awesome. You know, something like that. I mean, these kind of staples of the um, main cast members, you get those moments into their life, and it's kind of special. And in terms of, um, like, Sam and Mercedes, you know, that's always felt kind of like a sad hollow point um, where I feel like, the writers have never really understood how to kind of write for Mercedes, and therefore they don't kind of know how to write that dynamic, and they shoehorn it away, or, oh, dare I say it, you know, break them up all the time, and so that there can be more conventional relationships on that show. And, I, and I'm and i a little scared that they're going to do that again. Um, this with the last nine episodes to go. I've heard some rumors and spoilers about where, Sam's relationship status might end and I will say it will leave a very bitter taste in my mouth that happens for a lot of reasons um, but anyway I feel like I'm running on a tangent I just find it very interesting this past episode um, Jagged Little Tapestry which I the music was amazing I loved all of that I actually and I'm a big Becky Jackson fan but I feel like again we've had more of a story arc for Becky who is amazing and probably should have been made a main cast member. <laughs> anyway, um, we've had more kind of growth for her character than we've ever seen for, uh, you know, 
like Mercedes or even Artie for that matter. So I just wanted to put my two cents out in the world. I'll keep watching the show and listening to you guys and just wanted to bring that up for a um, discussion point and see what your point of view is on that. If I'm wrong or if you Oh, I think it cut Dara off. Oh. Cut her off for three minutes. Uh, but uh, thank you. Uh, and, and it's good to get some Becky love on the show. Yeah. <laughs> some, some genuine And Becky she's love. right about Mercedes. Like, that's something that I always kind of thought about. But she's one of the only, like, original main cast members that never, that you never saw her family. You have no idea yeah. about her family. No, she never. We never saw Tina's she, family. Been, we oh, heard about true. them. Her and Tina. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we've got to fit at least one family member for everybody else except for them. <laughs> Even yeah. Mike Chang got some family on the show. Both his parents. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, here's a here's another voicemail. Hi, Justin. This is listener Sarah. Uh, I have a three-word review of the most recent episode, which is I am old. And <laughs> I am old because after the premiere where I knew maybe half the songs, uh, this week I was like, oh, Jagged Little Pill and Tapestry, like, I love those albums. They're from, you know, 20 years old and prior. Um, so, yeah, I'm old, but uh, I did really like the music this week a lot. Um, I did just see online, like, somebody mentioned, like, where is Brad, the piano player? And I was like, oh, yeah, he hasn't been around. So I maybe you guys have some insight into that. I don't know. You seem to be pretty aware of what where Brad, is. Brad is doing. <laughs> He's around the corner. Um, I liked this episode, I think, overall. Um, maybe because I liked the music so much. It did store, still feel like old school Glee to me. Um, the two sort of like other plot lines, which with Coach, Coach Beast and, and Becky, like Becky's plot line, I think I liked if only because it was finally pointed out that Becky is a horrible person. Um and the fact that it was pointed out by Santana was pretty great. Like, I know Becky's never been a nice person, but I feel like no one's ever actually called her out on it um, that I could remember, so I really liked that. Um, and the Coach Beast thing, like, I don't know. I think, <laughs> you know, I'm currently making my way very slowly through Transparent on Amazon, and I guess it's unfair to compare the two because – completely different things but since i am literally like watching transparent currently um you know it's such a better show about that particular issue because that is the show um i don't know so we'll see we'll see how that goes also i feel like the only the only callback that we have to that is just the fact that actress is sort of mannish but I don't know, like, there was a whole episode about her getting, never getting kissed a couple of years ago, and, like, whatever. We'll we'll see how that goes, or maybe it'll just be dropped and we'll never hear about it again. Anyway, um, so, oh, and my favorite uh, song from the episode was definitely the uh, Look Me Tomorrow Out of Her Feet mashup. Um, I thought that was great. Really liked that one. I may even buy it. So, anyway, uh, curious what you guys think of this episode um and i'll talk to you later bye uh yeah uh, transparent's amazing uh transparent is like annoyingly good uh it, it it's even so good you can watch it when you can't sleep because you have hand foot and mouth disease 
that's how good wow. it is. You can enjoy it in at four o'clock in the morning with hand, foot, and mouth disease. <laughs> uh, and here we have one more voicemail. Hey, Josh, Jen, and Ed. This is Alex. Um, First of all, it's so rare we get a voicemail from a dude. That's awesome. That makes me so happy. This is Alex. I'm a long-time listener, but I haven't ever really left voicemail before. And I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, Jagged Little Tapestry. Uh, I really liked the episode, and the music was really, really nice. Um, of course, they cut Tina's and Quinn's duet. I wasn't surprised about that. But um, I thought that it was cool that they gave Kurt and Blaine a duet, and I knew that the episode was going to be a lot about them, but I really didn't like how they made the Jane and Mason duet of Will You Love Me Tomorrow and Head Over Feet about 85% Kurt and Blaine. Um, I would have gotten maybe like three or four flashbacks, but not 10 or 11 like we got. Um, I understand that this is going to be a really important plot point, but like I said, I really wish that they would have given what is essentially the first New Directions assignment that one of the members of New Directions did. Um, they made it more about them than about Kurt and Blaine, which I mean, I understand because it was a love song, but I still would have liked it better if we would have gotten a little bit more focused on the 3.0s. So, all right, guys, y'all have a good one. Bye. Thank you very much, what, listener Alex. What I think, yeah. what I think was great about the opportunity that we had with Greece was that it was it was as much about Marley and Ryder as it was about Rachel and Finn hmm. at the time. Interesting. Yeah, that's very true. So, so that, so, so if there was something to say about the 2.0s as the patrons say the 2.0s, <laughs> um, it's like they, they were, they were like at least trying to give us, but it's like, it's yeah. like, like, oh, 3.0s, 3.0s are like an afterthought. I almost, like, I understand they want to have Sue. I don't know. Like, why, why are we even in William McKinley? I don't, like, yeah. like, yeah. but I guess because they didn't, if, when they weren't out of high school without Sue as a, as a villain, they were, they, they were just like lost. They were just lost in a sea, warping yeah. around <laughs> or something, but. Uh, I mean, I'll be really life. upset next week if we don't get to see uh, more of, you know, um, Roderick and Jane and the Wonder Twins. Just because you, you know, they finally bring you know, the next generation of New Direction that we actually can rally behind and maybe identify with and and and, and root for and then you're not gonna let us see them. <laughs> it's like you're not gonna yeah. you're not gonna give us anything more. And it's like I understand, fine, we're not gonna get, you know, huge story arcs in, you know, thirteen episodes, but Give us a little something. Um. Yeah, okay. Don't. Except for no. That that is no excuse. <laughs> no, I think, I'm just saying. I, give us something. I, I, no, yeah. I'm saying huge story arcs should be more apt for 13 episodes because you don't have to worry about the ramifications of said huge story arcs. I disagree. They <laughs> so go, be, go big or go home, Ed. Right? Like I mean, the I mean factor. And like 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 they're like they're not. They I don't know. They, I don't understand. Like why can't. It's like the Glee writers, which I hope they're smarter than this. But it's like it's like they were like they're giving us two storylines that we're allowed to have continuity on mm-hmm. that are for the season, which is the gay football player and the and Clayne. and no, every other sorry. And then like <laughs> like and every other storyline that isn't those two storylines has to be introduced and completed in that episode. Yeah, and that is that is and like like the the Glee audience. 
we have been through a lot. We are smarter than this. We have we are we have self-selected ourselves to to a point of exhaustion, possibly. And like we can handle we can handle more than two storylines. Two story like even like when you're reading a book and you're like, oh, I simply forgot every detail about the last chapter. No, mm-hmm. you don't say that. <laughs> no, and it's you know even just the. What was it? Maybe like, what, four cumulative minutes of Roderick in either his discussion with the, um, you know, the original cast or in his inner monologue talking about, you know, walking down the hall, wanting to be invisible, having this great voice. But, you know, like his best friends are these incredible musicians. It's like I learned and felt more about him than any of the 2.0s it's like i'm sorry you're embarrassed because your mother is overweight i'm sorry you're embarrassed because your father is jewish and your mother is black or no sorry your father's black and your mother's jewish i'm sorry you're embarrassed because you know your learning disorder got overlooked but nothing has changed like (laughs) you know this but you're not taking the steps to fix it It, it's there was so much more emotion and connection that came out of just those couple of minutes with this new character I don't need a lot like it doesn't to 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 get a little bit more from them doesn't require a lot of screen time you just you can finesse something there and my, still have my, them be present. my favorite bit of like when they had uh, they showed everyone in the classroom during the Britannia duet was Broderick's face he was like he looks so disinterested <laughs> and like that is this actor real oh, to be new direction 3.0 number oh sorry okay so broderick he was standing while watching Britannia, mm-hmm. and he was he looked so disinterested because that was that person in real life realizing that he signed up to be new directions member th- number member <laughs> one of 3.0 like it just nothing <laughs> like it's just it was just very sad that's, that's all funny. pandas well uh that's pretty much all i have guys uh does anybody have anything else or should we wrap this puppy up jennifer um yes i acknowledge sam's hair is darker i do feel like maybe it's a stupid plot or you know ploy to make us think that he's smarter because he's not blonde anymore i don't know Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> I'm fake blonde, so I can say this. <laughs> um, I don't know. It really knows a lot more. Yeah. Ed, anything else? Uh, San Francisco is epic. I'm so excited that I'm here now, and I get to come back in a little bit. In the, like two weeks, I'm leaving on Thursday, but I'm coming back next Sunday. So it's like, whatever. I never, I never leave this town. What up? <laughs> and Sammy, any final words on uh, on on the show? Uh, only that I thought I think that Kurt and Rachel are really, really bad teachers. <laughs> I'm hoping this gets better because it, it's been hard to watch. That's okay, fair. but one question. Do you think they're the worst that McKinley has ever had? No. Okay. <laughs> okay. Hola, classe. Um, <laughs> so, I, I, and my final word is my favorite thing about this recording is after I said my crazy idea about how season six should have been five years in the future and they were in an alumni glee club, uh, two uh, comments in the chat room came up at exactly the same moment. One was listener Catherine saying, Josh, I love you, but that sounds terrible. 
And immediately at the same second, listener Brandy wrote, Josh, I love your idea. Somebody needs to tell Ryan Murphy. <laughs> this is pretty much like that's a Aww. microcosm of my life that's, right there. That is. That is. <laughs> that's what that was. Josh wow. is a very divisive well, character. Well, yeah, yes, exactly. That, that's why we're still here, <laughs> ladies and gents. Uh, the the Gleeful Podcast continues for exactly that, uh, for exactly that reason. But uh, thank you for joining. Thank you, all of you, for joining us uh, tonight. If you'd like to weigh in on anything we said, you can email us at gleefulpodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at Gleeful Podcast. I'm at Josh Purnell. She's at Jenny B. Creative. He's at Edward Giordano. And she's at Sammy Higgins, S A M I Higgins, as in John Michael, I suppose. And uh, and you can find us on the Facebook. Just search for Gleeful Podcast. For the Gleeful Podcast with Josh and Ed, I'm Josh. I'm Jen. I'm Ed. And I'm Sammy. Yes! Winners all Nailed around. It. Good night, everyone. <laughs>